0: Chapter Fourteen of Little Pilgrimages Among the Women Who Have Written Famous Books. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Little Pilgrimages Among the Women Who Have Written Famous Books by Edward Francis Harkins. Chapter Fourteen, John Oliver Hobbs, Mrs. Craigie john oliver hobbs is the pseudonym of mrs pearl mary teresa Craigie. it appeared first in eighteen ninety one in the pseudonym library over the study entitled some emotions and a moral it is related that the first publisher to whom that story was offered accepted it on condition that the author find another title and make other lesser changes she refused to make a single change and the work finally went to a more courageous and we may say longer-headed publisher the author proposes and the publisher disposes is not an everyday maxim mrs craigie doubtless many readers will be surprised to learn it was born in boston massachusetts on november third eighteen sixty seven her mother's maiden name was laura hortense arnold her father john morgan richards is the son of the reverend james richards d d the founder of auburn theological seminary new york pearl was educated first privately by tutors then in paris and then in london where for a good many years her father has chosen to reside in london she was a pupil at university college there she studied the ancient classics enthusiastically and there she attracted the attention of the well-known professor goodwin by whose advice later she took up literature as a profession in eighteen eighty seven at the age of nineteen she was married to mr reginald walpole craigie a member of a well-established english family four years after the marriage she left her husband taking with her their child john churchill craigie who was born in august eighteen ninety and in eighteen ninety five the separation culminated in a divorce since then mrs craigie and her son have lived with her parents at fifty-six lancaster gate west london her amusements are music and chess this in brief is the biography of one of the most brilliant figures in contemporary english literature and we hasten to claim her for america for notwithstanding her long residence abroad notwithstanding her english interests and associations she is at heart we hear a very staunch american but in the first place she is an intellectual cosmopolite her gifts have brought back to her a welcome from wherever men and women read english and today english is the language of the four corners of the globe in one respect mrs craigie reminds us of her greatest hero robert orange we do not need to lift the veil of domesticity to form the opinion that married life half stifled her ambition she was not born to serve two masters orange was too sincere a man to take advantage of parfleet's death his heart said rome and to rome he went and we can see him going tranquilly yet determinedly in some such manner we fancy mrs craigie must have gone back to her father's house literally too she went to rome for she became a roman catholic in eighteen ninety two the year following the separation from her husband the year eighteen ninety one was doubly momentous it saw not only her departure from under her husband's roof but also the publication of her first book some emotions and a moral we have been informed that eighty thousand copies were sold in a few weeks anyhow it is a positive fact that the book was one of the sensations of the day for a long while the reading public remained incredulous over the announcement that the author was a woman it was not merely the pseudonym john oliver Hobbes that excited the incredulity it was also the form and the style of the book itself mrs craigie once remarked that women are at a disadvantage in picturing men in their relations one to the other particularly in the intimate relations of the mess-room and the smoking-room and she cited jane austen's consummate tact in eluding the difficulty by keeping men apart or rather by keeping them in the society of women It oftentimes demands consummate tact, to enforce the realization of a limitation, and in an artist, the inability to paint things as they are is certainly a grave limitation. Of such a limitation, the author of Robert Orange, we mention her most notable book, betrays no consciousness, for it is not in her. She affords us the enjoyment rather of consummate skill than of consummate tact therein she resembles not jane austen but george eliot at the same time we remember that when robert orange was the rage some critics charged mrs craigie with a lack of the power of convincing this is a fanciful hero they declared can a man love a woman so humanly so deliriously as is herein depicted asked one of them while being simultaneously drawn toward the monastic life the novelist gave the best of answers that robert orange was no mere production of the imagination no embodiment of an idea but a study from life the fact is to make use of the novelist's expression character is infinitely various and the possibilities of action are inexhaustible when a fictitious personage does or says an incredible thing Of course i am not speaking of fairy tales but of fiction that bears some relation to fact it is incredible not in the abstract as it were but because it is wrongly correlated to the individual character speaking for myself i hate and distrust plausibility no writer is so little plausible as balzac his people are as full of surprises as our own most intimate friends we recall the comment that mrs craigie's pages are filled with such subtle observations straight philosophy and shining epigrams that they must be read slowly to be enjoyed they are indeed as a rule pages relishable to the last word their psychology is always interesting and sometimes deeply affecting they are pages not made to suit marion crawford's dictum that a novel should be mere entertainment assuming that his definition of entertainment goes no further than shivers and laughs they who have found mr crawford's in the palace of the king the best of entertainment may have gone to sleep over mrs craigie's the school for saints plausibility is not always to be distrusted how prolix to such persons must have seemed the pages describing the journey of the hero and the heroine of robert orange to st malo orange had suddenly plunged from irresolution into marriage and as he looked down on brigitte's face in the starlight his secret ideals returned to trouble him the author suddenly plunges into the philosophy of the situation men's designs are never so indefinite and confused as when they meet with no outward resistance a close attack has proved the salvation of most human wills and roused the energy of many drooping convictions it is seldom good that one should enter into any vocation very easily sweetly and without strife the best apprenticeships whether ecclesiastical or religious or civil or military or political or artistic are never the most calm whether we study the lives of saints or the lives of those distinguished in any walk of human endeavor where perfection in some degree or other has been at least the goal we always find that the first years of the pursuit have been one bitter history of temptations doubts despondencies struggles and agonizing inconsistencies of volition to nature's cold originally or extinguished by a false asceticism many seeming acts of sacrifice are but the subtle indulgence of that curious selfishness which is not the more spiritual because it is independent of others or the less repulsive because it is most contented in its isolation from every responsibility a renunciation means the deliberate putting away of something keenly loved anxiously desired or actually possessed it does not mean a well-weighed acceptance of the lesser rather than the greater trials of life all this in a breath we may say and yet a dozen lines further on begins another page of philosophical speculations mrs craigie is not content to paint the body she must paint the soul also for the most part they are the speculations met on the road from aristotle to cardinal newman but for the most part too they have been freshened and garnished in the novelist's analytical mind her analytical faculties seemed to have undergone a large development during the period of her domestic trouble and religious doubts it was then for the first time that her mind came into contact with the minds of the great christian psychologists has it ever struck you she asked a visitor casually that the church of rome which alone among the churches of western europe enjoins and enforces continual examinations of conscience is the real creator of modern analytical fiction the fathers of the church are the fathers of psychology st augustine st thomas aquinas st bernard and abelard where will you find subtler soul searching than in their writings in soul searching the author of love and the soul hunters an appropriate title for the moment is not excelled by any of her contemporaries not even by the chirurgical daredevil gabriele d'annunzio yet she has also written passages of heart-touching tenderness nor is she above smiles and little satires indeed to mention love who that ever reads it can soon forget the impassioned confession of lady Sarah louise tatiana valerie de treverel i never say my prayers because i cannot say them but i love somebody too whenever i hear his name i could faint when i see him i could sink into the ground at the sight of his handwriting i grow cold from head to foot i tremble my heart aches so that it seems breaking in two i long to be with him yet when i am with him i have nothing to say i have to escape and be miserable all alone he is my thought all day the last before i sleep the first when i awake i could cry and cry and cry i try to read and i remember not a word i like playing best for then i can almost imagine that he is listening but when i stop playing and look round i find myself in an empty room it is awful i call his name no one answers i whisper it still no answer i throw myself on the ground and i say think of me think of me you shall you must you do think of me it is great torture and a great despair perhaps it is a madness too but it is my way of loving i want to live while i live if i knew for certain that he loved me me only the joy i think would kill me love do you know poor little angel what it means sometimes it is a curse it is more than plausible that ponce who had to listen to this was really shaking like some small flower in a violent gale lately mrs craigie has done some writing for the stage without question the best of her plays is the ambassador which fulfils mr howells's ideal for like one of the best of oscar wilde's plays or mr pinero's it is as lustrous between covers as in the theatre but all in all our heroine's career as a playwright has not been a flattering experience and we were not unprepared for her recent statement that the public does not want to think in the theatre or to have the serious aspects of life forced upon its attention what it chiefly wants is flattery and so on in the traditional manner of the fallen idol fortunately perhaps for the reputation of alexander he had no other worlds to conquer love and the soul hunters is the novel on which mrs craigie has been working lately she writes us that she also has in mind a serial story for harper's and a play the novelist is described as a slender woman not very tall but very well built her face eyes and hair are dark and she has a wonderful sort of personal magnetism which her friends believe would have served her well had she gone on the stage She has occasionally gone to a convent to write, for her temperament demands tranquillity. When in London, she writes in the library, which is on the first floor of the Richards' house. In the summer, most of her work is done at Steephill Castle, Isle of Wight. She sits for hours ruminating on her plots, then she writes rapidly, accurately. Literally, she transfers the story chapter by chapter from her mind to the paper on the table before her in society she is said to have been admired mostly for her intellectual charms since her school days although not robust in health she generally spends the winter in the south of europe or in egypt she does an amount of work that quite nullifies the effect of her remark to mr archer real conversations in the critic that in all our speculations upon the differences of faculty in the two sexes we are rather apt to forget the effect of the fundamental difference in mere bodily power of endurance chapter